times, the man who wanted to paint his A-frame roof. Do you remember that story? I've used it a lot as a springboard. It's in springboards. Yeah, a man wanted to paint his A-frame roof, so he um, threw a rope over the top of the roof to the other side, secured it to the bumper of his car in a really tight knot, came back this side, climbed up on a ladder, got the rope, tied it in a very tight knot because he wasn't silly, and he leaned back and began painting his A-frame roof. As he was painting, his wife, not knowing what he'd actually done, came outside on the other side with the car keys, got in the cars and, car and drove off, pulling him over the front roof and injuring him seriously, which goes to show you're only as secure as to that to which you secure yourself. Keep the faith, brother. That's one we didn't touch on, guys, when we did our uh, cliché podcast. And uh, that's a big one. Keep the faith, brother. Uh, but, you know, that comes from Scripture, keep the faith. But it's often abused. But today on the Living Waters podcast, I didn't even know why it's called a podcast. Maybe one day we'll figure that out. iPod broadcast. Yeah, but it's on more than just an iPod. No, I've got when the original. It was when, when, uh, when I peapod... Uh, <laughs> the sun penetrates it, you'll notice it, it, it gets bigger and explodes and, and it casts it. Cast the peeps. Ah, that's what it is. Gutter snipe. Why yeah. am I thinking of gutter snipe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't get into that story again. But uh, what was I saying? The memory? About my memory and praving? Uh, yeah, podcasts. Anyway, podcasts. I don't know how I got on that tangent. But today we're talking about faith. What was that song, Mark, from the 80s? Gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. That was baby. the Baby. George Michaels? Was that George, George Michael? Michael? Gotta have faith. Gotta have a faith. A faith, a faith. Yeah, he's he's not around anymore. Yeah, that was in the nineties, though. I think eighties. I've noticed that prosperity preachers have been preaching the same sermon for forty years. It's all on faith and what you can get, and teaching people about faith and how to name it and claim it and grab it. That's all faith. They never change. Can I say, I absolutely detest the prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. and it. It grieves my heart that there are not more that absolutely hate it. Oscar, what are you doing over there? I, I have to repent. Mark Spence was right. 87, God have faith. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Oscar, you're pretty judgmental with your 90s well, you stuff. Well, you got to have faith just to make it today. Okay, stay oh. on that. Cause that's <laughs> oh, good. yeah, wait, wait. Wait, what was that? MC Hammer? Wait. No, we need to pray just to make it. Oh. Ah, <laughs> we need to pray just to make it that's today. Right. I say pray. That's right. In fact, that's what I often say before we eat a lot of times. I'll say in the famous words of the legendary theologian M.C. Hammer, we've got to pray just to make it today. Trying right. to pull it back to sensibility. <laughs> so, you were talking that's about awesome. prosperity preachers and how you detest it. Why? Oh, but Seriously, why? All they want is for people to prosper. It because just doesn't work during a pandemic or in the heart of Africa. Because mm. it flies in the face of what the gospel is all about. You know, and not just that, but you think of what the apostles endured for the sake of the gospel. I mean, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about all that he went through, being beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, you know, and, and then and I think it's 1 Corinthians 4, is it? Um, or maybe 2 Corinthians 4. He talked about, oh boy, here we go. I wish our friends could see this. These guys do this to me every time. I'm thinking, so I'm looking up. And all, they all turn around and start looking up at the ceiling in the direction I was looking up in. As well, where are you getting your answers from? I think it's from my brain. I think it's under there. Oh, is your brain oh, is that up there? <laughs> but, uh, but first or second Corinthians 4, my, my brain actually isn't working well today. But where Paul talks about, he says about him and the apostles, he talked about to this very moment, we are uh, homeless and poorly and naked and roughly treated. And he goes on and on. 
And it just flies in the face of, of what the gospel is but all about. But doesn't that show that Paul hadn't had the revelation? Oh, prosperity. he didn't know, brother. <laughs> but they treat faith like a force, and you can will it to come, a lot like uh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Spirit is a force and not a person. Mm. So when we start getting the definition of biblical terms, starting with who God is wrong, well, of course, your landing place is going to be wrong, and you're not going to hit your destination spot at all. Yeah. So it's so important to, to get this right. Right, And when we start talking about faith, there's a couple different types of faith. There's salvific faith, faith that leads to salvation. Then there's just, hey, the just shall live by faith. Hey, we're walking by faith, moment by moment. Faith is just simply believing that God is telling the truth. He said it in his word, and I believe it. Now I'm acting in faith. So there are those two different types of faith yeah. that we're dealing with here. Yeah, and let, let's, let, so let's hit on those guys. Let's start with salvific faith. Uh, Ray, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Yeah, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Well, by grace you've been saved. <laughs> Through faith. Faith is the vehicle with which we receive God's grace. It's the hand that brings the grace of God down to man. Faith doesn't save us. It's the vehicle that's used by grace to save us. Yeah, I, I, I want to just take this on a slight tangent, if I may. Do you remember when I did an interview in Washington, D.C. with those atheists? Yeah, the Reason Rally. Um, the beginning of the interview with the full banana man are you talking about lawrence no it was the one before that with the atheist who interviewed me oh yes do you know how they began that it's it's got a lot of views on youtube do you know how they began what bible verse they used no i can't remember you may not have seen it when it comes up before they bring the camera on me and the other guy it starts off with trust the lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding proverbs Mm -hmm. three and the reason they did that to show what an idiot i was trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean to your own intellect. Oh, yeah. This has got nothing to do with your brain. It's blind oh, faith. That's what the whole thing is. Yeah. And that's the, the message of atheism is the, the belief, the trust that we have in Jesus is a blind faith, mm-hmm. believing good. in that which is in, invisible. It's the man and the what, spaghetti monster and all the silly mockery stuff because they don't understand the simplicity of trust in God's promises, yeah. trusting in his integrity because yeah. they think it's a blind faith, which it isn't. So do you want to address the subject of what blind faith is and what it isn't? Yeah, but before we do that, Ray, I just want to highlight for our friends, that's the interview where there was a camera crew filming our camera crew, and our camera crew was filming their camera crew. We have like these multiple crews filming the others filming, remember? <laughs> so we didn't trust each other. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't have faith in each Everyone other. Everyone yeah. wanted to be covered. But, Let yeah. me. Uh, I love that you hit on that, though, because our, our faith is in something that's alive. So when you think about having faith in something, or, or maybe we'll, we'll look at it as a phrase of like hope. When I say something like, I hope the Lakers win the championship. I hope that what's for dinner is X, Y, and Z. The point here is that I have hope in something that's possibly true, but has the potential of not being true. But our faith, our our hope in Christ is alive. It's a living hope. It's a living faith because it's not a wishful thinking. And it's not a hoping for the best. It is faith in something that is assured to be true. Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance that is the confidence of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In other words, like our Faith is in something that is guaranteed. Our hope is in something promised rather than some sort of wishful thinking. So you're speaking as a backslidden atheist. 
Yeah, oh, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. Because <laughs> that's why it makes what you're saying so powerful, mm. because you've been where they are. Yeah. Um, when we speak of hope, and hope is an anchor of the soul. I love those words. Mm. It's a, an anchor of the soul. You've got something to hold you in the storm. A hope when it's in God is, like you said, a, a living hope. Yeah. Yeah, and your faith is only as good as the object that you've placed your faith in. And I, I love, again, what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. <laughs> it's a gift of God, not of works. And I believe that that gift includes that faith as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that God, God enables us because apart from Christ, we are dead in trespasses and sins. And oftentimes you'll hear people talk about, hey, be careful what you say to an unbeliever. You might turn them off. Well, how can you turn something off any more than it's already off? Where are they going to go? Hell part two? Yeah. Right? And we often hear people say, hey, should I share the gospel with my family? I've already shared it with them. What do I do? Well, no. Listen, you don't know when death is going to come knocking. It comes knocking at an inopportune time for everybody that's not a Christian. What we must realize, and we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. I think the idea is... Um, if you're going to believe someone, if you're going to trust someone, why not trust him who cannot lie, Mm. right? Why not trust him whose foundation is sure and secure? And the only way we can get to know him is if we open up his word and all of his word is just and true, just as all of his judgments are as well. Yeah. As you mentioned before about faith, uh, it's only as secure as that which you place it in. As a reminder of that story that we've alluded to a number of times, the man who wanted to paint his A-frame roof. Do you remember that story? I've used it a lot as a springboard. It's in springboard. Remind us. Yeah, a man wanted to paint his A-frame roof, so he um, threw a rope over the top of the roof to the other side, secured it to the bumper of his car in a really tight knot, came back this side, climbed up on a ladder, got the rope, tied it in a very tight knot because he wasn't silly, and he leaned back and began painting his A-frame roof. As he was painting, his wife, not knowing what he'd actually done, came outside on the other side with the car keys, got in the cars and, car and drove off, pulling him over the A-frame roof and injuring him seriously, which goes to show you're only as secure as to that to which you secure yourself. Wow. And if you secure, and this, that really happened. It wasn't just an illustration that did happen. Mm. I think it's in the book, Under One of the Dumbest Things People Have Done. It's oh, up there. It's the sort of thing I would do. Quite <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I forgot to tell the wife as you hear the car You would start. actually do both. Yeah, you I would drive off <laughs> At the same time. Yeah, you would tie himself up there, come back down and drive by. I had an A-frame roof if you want to But we secure ourselves to the sure and true promises of God. They'll never, ever let us down, Mm. ever. Because it is impossible. Our whole faith rests on the fact that it's impossible for God to lie. And I love that word impossible. And there's another disgusting um, illustration that I use to talk about the impossibility of God lying. Surely if God can do anything, he can lie. And Jesus said, with God, nothing is impossible. And then Scripture says it's impossible for God to lie. So which is true? Well, here's an illustration. Um, It would be impossible for me to eat living worms. But I've seen it done. I remember on television years ago, watching a program, it was a news program, they cut to the studio, and they just said, just as we close, something interesting here, this man is going to show us something in the studio, and he had a piece of toast, put butter on the toast, and got a can of worms, and put the worms on the toast, got a knife and fork, and ate the Ah. wriggly, blood-filled worms as they crawled across that. And I thought, "Ah, that would be impossible for me to eat worms. Of course, it's possible, because I've seen it done, but it's so distasteful, so disgusting, I draw on the strength of the word impossible to substantiate that claim. And lying is so distasteful to God. 
so horrible, such an abomination, Scripture draws on the strength of the word impossible to show that it's against his mm. nature. Yeah. So there's no, there's no contradiction, just an understanding of why the Scriptures use that word. Yeah, it violates God's nature, and God yeah. cannot do that which What's violates his nature. What's for lunch? What's for lunch? Warm tacos, obviously. <laughs> Williams. That true story that you told, Ray, about the roofer, his name was David Willis, and it happened in Cape Town, South Africa in 1988. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Not in the 90s, for Oscar's sake? No. <laughs> I don't think everything was in the stop, 90s. Stop. I just thought that stop. was in the 90s. Oscar's a young whippersnapper here, so his I'm memories a, are really rooted in the 90s. I'm a young so, 37. So he didn't die, he just got... Uh, Co- correct, yeah. One second I was hammering the roof, and the next I was plowing up tomato plants in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> it actually pulled them off the, off yeah, the road. Pulled them up and down, down, wow. and down towards the street. Wow. That's insane. You know, it's, it's interesting to ask a non-Christian, uh, is belief important? And some will say, yeah, yeah, without much conviction. But if I told you that the path you're walking on has a landmine right in front of you, if you believe, you'll go around. If you don't believe, you'll step onto it. So beliefs can actually govern our direction, and beliefs can govern our destiny. If we believe the gospel, then we'll obey it if we know it's true. And that's why Isaiah said, oh, Lord, who has believed our report? Mm. Everything hangs on that. And so mm. when someone says, I don't believe that, my heart breaks because you want them to believe our words because the belief will govern what they do with the Savior. Yeah. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, a $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. That's good. I, you know, I want to, uh, clarify something as I'm thinking about what I said earlier, because um, I'm talking about, you know, assurance, knowing, and that is true. It is not a blind faith. It is a knowing. However, faith does not require absolute evidence. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, the, the core here is that our relationship with God is exactly that. It's relational and relationship requires faith and trust. And so, if you were to say to me, is your wife cheating on you right now? I would say, no, I know my wife and I believe and I have faith that she's not. Do I have absolute evidence that right now at this very moment, my wife isn't committing infidelity? I suppose not. I don't have absolute evidence, but I know my wife and I have faith in my wife. And so there's not an insecurity or an uncertainty in who she is and what she is doing. You see, there's a relationship of trust and love and belief between my wife and I. And to have faith in God and what he has done for you and who he says he is, he provides all the evidence that we would need, but it still takes a relational kind of trust in the Lord to say, yes, God, I believe, I trust you. Mm. And that, that is key, trust, right? Um, 
I've often shared with unbelievers when I'm out witnessing the importance of understanding what faith is because that's the quick go-to. I believe in God, right? right? And we've touched on this before. Even the demons believe and tremble. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what is salvific faith, right? What, what is necessary? And there are three main components to faith. The first is knowledge. You have to have an understanding of, of something, right? And in this case, obviously, the gospel. You have to have an understanding of the gospel and all that, that relates to it. The bad news uh, that you, you're a sinner, you violated God's law, you're in danger of judgment. And the good news, Christ came, died, and rose again and, and lived the perfect life in our place, took the place of sinners on the cross. And if we repent, there will be that great exchange, right? Yeah. It, it's, and we'll receive that alien righteousness that comes from him. So you, can have, you need to have understanding and knowledge of that. Then there's, uh, there's assent, right, or agreement that, yeah, not only do I know this, but now I, I agree, I assent to the fact that that is a truth. And then there's the third part, which is trust, which is, which is that step of placing your, your complete uh, trust in what you know and what you agree to. Right, Ray, you always talk about that trust and you use the, the, uh, the parachute analogy or the elevator analogy, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Trust in the cables. You don't see the cables, you just trust. Once you see the cables, then your, your, your faith explodes when you see they're like three inches thick and they cannot break. Yeah. But I was just thinking while you were speaking uh, how the world has such a twisted understanding of trust, um, nuptial uh, agreements. Where before you go into marriage, you get the person you're marrying to sign something to say that if they turn nasty, you're going to get your money. Sort of. That's just such a a twisted. And and I was thinking of Ronald Reagan's uh, trust verify. This is probably before you guys were born. But do you remember that? It's a very famous incident where relationships were just starting to come together with Russia. And they decided they would trust each other but verify. (laughs) Which which is an oxymoron in a sense. That if I trust my wife, I don't need to verify. You don't need to put her against the wall, turn the right, lights on, right. you just believe her word. Yeah. And so it's, uh, the world just doesn't understand what faith is. And faith leads to action, not inaction. When you believe, when you have faith in the Lord, it will, uh, it will push your life in an all-new direction to serve Him, to glorify Him, to tell others about Him. So some people might be like, well, I have faith, I, I say that I believe in God, but then you look at their lives and you think, man, it sure doesn't look like it. I don't see action. And the, the gap between, so let's call that knowledge. Like I know God, I know what he says. Uh, I say that I believe it, but it doesn't lead me to action. This is very important because the difference between what we know and what we do, I mean, if you think about that, have you ever thought to yourself, like you know something, but you don't always do it? The difference between what we know and what we do is what we love. So a a good example would be this. I know how to be really healthy. I know how to eat right. I know how to exercise. But I'm I'm not the healthiest. I don't do what I need to do to be the healthiest person. The difference between what I know and what I do is my love for breakfast burritos. I love (laughs) breakfast burritos. In that same way, you may say that you know the things of God. You may have grown up in the church, you know, you say you know God, and maybe you do know God, but you don't do, you don't, you don't serve God. The difference between what you know and what you do is what you love, what you love, your love for God. And I think faith and our love for God go hand in hand. Again, it's relational. The more we love God, the more we understand who he is, the more that's going to 
propel us to serve him, to tell others about him, to glorify him with our whole lives. Yeah. Izzy, what do you think of that Bible verse, without faith it's impossible to please God? How yeah. would you describe that? <clears throat> That's about actually the one I was about to go to and ask you the same question. That'll, that'll teach you. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And man, that, that's so key to, to understand. Like, yeah, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whatever's not a faith is sin, you know? It's, it's that demonstration of our trust in him. And Ray, you talk about this. Like when you, when you talk about the insult to God yes. when people don't have faith in his word. It's not unreasonable. God's not asking something unreasonable. It's something we exercise every day. Um, just go to your wife and say, don't trust you, honey. <laughs> you know, you're not going to please her. You're not yeah. going to trust a friend. You're not going to trust a bank. You're not going to trust people to do business with if you say, I don't trust you. You're not going to have a relationship, should I say. And so without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because of this fact, he that believes not God has made him a liar. First mm. John chapter 5. Mm. Wow. So if we don't trust in God, and it's the same with human beings. I often do it when I'm witnessing to someone. Say, what's your name? When they say, I don't believe the Bible. They'll say, Tom. I say, where do you live? Such and such. I say, I don't believe you. And their reaction is always to be insulted, even if it's quietly in their heart, because I'm saying you're a liar, you're devious, you're not worth trusting. So faith is such a basis of everyday living. When we fly on a plane, we trust the pilots. When we see a doctor, we take pills without a second thought. We entrust surgeons. Ah, oh, Man, I've, I had four surgeries a couple of years ago. And each time I trusted my life to people I didn't know. Mm. First time I ever see the surgeon, I'm looking up at some guy with a <laughs> and, and he's going to cut into me and I'm trusting him to do so. And if I can exercise faith in fallible men, how much more should I trust an infallible God? I remember I was wanting to testify to the Lord as I lay on the operating table. I wanted to say to the surgeon, if you mess it up, it doesn't matter because I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm a Christian. I've got everlasting <laughs> life. And I thought... I shouldn't really say that to a surgeon in case he says to his buddies, you know that golf game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy doesn't... Isn't that thing I've been wanting to try? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so it's wonderful to face death or that sort of trust. Mm -hmm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because of that faith in God. Let me say this, because I think a lot for a lot of Christians, they hear uh, titans of the faith that are just seem to be unshakable and their trust and belief in the Lord. And they think to themselves, man, I, 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 I often have thoughts that, that feel a little bit like unbelief. And let me just encourage those who may be in that space, um, that the Lord, the scriptures give space for that. I mean, if you think about it, in Matthew 12, it says, to have faith the size of a mustard seed, which, pause, Mustard seeds are very, very small. Mm. So with this tiny bit of faith, you'd be able to move mountains. Okay, I have never moved a mountain, which means I have smaller than a mustard seed kind of faith in God, right? Or one of my favorite stories is in Mark 9, and it's a father who has a mute son, and he comes to the Lord and asks him to heal his son. And Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, looks at this guy and says, do you believe? And this dude has the audacity to say, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Yeah. Now, you would have thought for like, oh man, he's going to, you know, the Lord's not going to bless. But Jesus looks at him and he blesses him and he heals his son. That was enough 
belief, enough faith. And so to anybody who is a believer but struggles with thoughts, uh, the, the scriptures gives you space and the Lord invites you to lay down your uncertainty on his altar as a sacrifice. And he will bless that and he will grow and strengthen the faith in which he's given you already. Amen. You know, before, I remember before I moved um, Mount Everest from Lebanon to the Himalayas, (laughs) um, (laughs) I really used to enjoy climbing it there. Uh, But Mark, you know, uh, you, you mentioned earlier the just shall live by faith. And... I think it's good for us to explore that aspect of things. We, we've really talked about the salvific aspect of things. Obviously, Abraham... Could you define salvific? Yeah, in relation to salvation. Okay. Thank you. Salvific. Salvific. Sounds pretty. That's a pretty smooth word, salvific. Salvific. Just kind of throw it around. But Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for mm-hmm. righteousness, right? And we know that that is the foundation of, of us being saved. But Ray mentioned earlier, obviously, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I love that part um, that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those yeah. who diligently seek him. That's good. And I think this aspect of faith is important to talk about because uh, we've touched on before the fact that there, there are rewards to be gained. Yeah. And I heard someone say something that really hit me hard. And, and they said, look, God is not, God is not equally attracted to all of his children, in the sense that God equally loves all of his children, of course, but there, there are those who walk in faith toward God and who have a heart after God, right? The, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro, right? And so God moves on behalf and works in the lives of those that, that believe he is a rewarder and therefore yeah. pursue him. Let me give you an example. Um, in Luke chapter 7, we have the story of the centurion's servant who was sick and dying. And a centurion was a man who was in charge of a hundred soldiers underneath him, centurion, and he raised up through the ranks after 20, 30 years of faithful service. And everything about this guy was the opposite of what Jesus was, right? This guy was a Gentile. Jesus was a Jew. He was a man of war. Jesus was a man of peace. He didn't go. He sent his servants to go to meet with Jesus. And he said, you say the word and my servant will be healed. And here Jesus, he pauses and he marvels. And whenever Jesus marvels, we must meditate, John Bloom says. And he says, I've not seen such great faith in even all of Israel. Then he said, go, go home, tell your, tell your, your leader, the centurion, that it'll be so. And then he was healed. And then he asked about the exact time when he was healed. Now, fast forward over to uh, Mark chapter uh, 6, verses 5 and 6. We have Jesus coming home to his hometown, and he wasn't able to perform many, many mighty miracles there. And you have the people that are kind of mocking him, right? We, we remember this one. We remember when he was having olive seed fights with his brothers and everything else. And it says that he was not able to uh, perform any mighty miracle there. And then it says this in verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. And at any given moment, Jesus is either marveling at your faith or at your unbelief. Mm -hmm. And they that know their God shall do great exploits. And if we're going to ask of God, if we're going to uh, besiege God and, and come to him, well, why not just believe him, right? We started off, the first thing I said, I believe here was, 
Faith is believing that God is telling the truth. And if you're going to believe someone, why not trust him who cannot lie? Well, I'd love to see God marvel simply because we trust him and we take him at his word. Well, here's the centurion with no uh, orthodox teaching. He didn't set up a synagogue. He didn't go to uh, grad school. He just simply believed that Jesus, the miracle worker, was who he said he was, so much so that he didn't even go and meet him. And Jesus rewarded that. How much more now we approach the Father on his terms. Father, I know you can do this. Should you not choose to do this, it is fine with me. It is well with my soul. Though you slay me, yet I will trust you. And I want to, like I said the other day, I want to collapse across the finish line, trusting God in all areas, all facets, all aspects of my life. Because he's worthy to be trusted. He's proven his faithfulness. You know, in this life, everything is gained by talent or gifting or something like that, but anyone can exercise faith. Mm. It's a level playing field. You don't need to be tall, strong, intelligent, whatever. Just faith is a little child. Mm. And so that means we can all approach God and see marvelous things happen. Incredible that all things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made. And yet he marveled. You make Jesus marvel with faith. What a wonderful thing. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it's so good. You know, but, but that aspect of, of what we're reading in Hebrews, that, that you have, part of faith is believing that God rewards those who diligently seek him. And that should be a, a, a catalyst that stirs us on, you know, that God gives us more of himself. He uses us more. He gives us a greater ability to glorify him, which to the Christian is the greatest pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that's in Hebrews 6. And then you get to the end of Hebrews 6, and he talks about all that those who had faith did. Um, and all that they endured, mm-hmm. and it says, yet yeah, they they didn't become perfect apart from us, right? Like we got these guys in the Old Testament, they were looking forward, and then we got the culmination of that true faith, which is Jesus Himself, you know. But let me let me wrap it up by just reminding us, though, that obviously faith manifests itself in actions, and that's why James says in James two eighteen, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And I think for the Christian, this is where we, we prove we have faith. And I love this because it's making it clear that faith is not some sort of uh, ambiguous, amorphous type of a cosmic thing that's out of reach. And it's not about a feeling per se, but it can be proven by what we do. So in other words, Okay, I have faith that, let's say I say I have faith that prayer is important. But then I don't feel prayer is important. How often do we, do we have those feelings like, oh, prayer, and we just get this foreboding feeling, oh man, I, I, I get so distracted, I can't think straight. But the fact that we discipline ourselves to actually pray, even when we're feeling like prayer is not important, is proving we believe that faith is important. Our works are proving that. Right. Same thing with the word. There are days where I might feel like, oh, God's word isn't really that significant. Let's say whatever, emotions, thoughts. But the fact that I'm in God's word every day, that I'm memorizing vast amounts of scripture, that I'm meditating on God's truth, and that I'm pushing myself to obey that truth when I'm tempted not to, is evidence that I believe, I have faith that God's word is important. I'm showing it by my works. Right. You know, And you can go on down the line with that. And that to me is a consolation because when you get to that place where you're like, man, but I feel feel this and I think this and it doesn't matter. Mm. I'm going to prove what I believe by what I do. 
Uh, and of course, I want my emotions to connect with that, but I'll lead by my will and I'll let my emotions follow if they ever will, but that doesn't matter. I'm going to prove it by what I do. Amen. Amen? Amen. Wow. We talked about faith. Amen. Well, friends, there you have it. Uh, there's so much more that could be said, but we hope that suffices. And look, we want you who are listening to this podcast to be Bereans. Take what we share and check it out with Scripture, right? Those who were in Berea were more noble-minded than those who were in Thessalonica because they not only received the Scriptures with great eagerness, but they examined them to see if these things were so, Acts 17, 11. So do that and then dig deeper. There are so many resources available for you to explore these things, and we have a lot of them on livingwaters.com. So make sure to check that out and let us come alongside you and help serve you as you walk in faith in our great and awesome God. See you next time on the Living Waters podcast. How are you going to see them? Easy. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Have faith, Oscar. Okay. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.